Hey there, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, real success viewers. This is uh, Coach Bill Pipes coming at you as always, alive, excited, and full of energy. I just want to say welcome back. Hope you've had a powerful 30 days filled with, you know, uh, you know, production, inspiration, and taking some action that has you feel a little bit uncomfortable and pushing yourself out of the comfort zone. Hey guys, you know, here we are. We're sitting in September right now. And obviously, Tom and myself and all of our coaches, we're, we're already looking at 2016, man. You know, uh, clearly, 2015 isn't done. H however, all of our great agents, like the one we're going to interview today, are already looking, you know, past the finish line. They're looking at, okay, what is, what is this next year look like for me? And they're beginning to align their behaviors. They're beginning to, to change their business model to support the goals that they have for 2016. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you pushing hard. Tom wants you pushing hard to the end of this year. But we got to start looking at what is 2016 for you? And I think one of the, the major challenges that I always notice and that we see for great agents is that a lot of agents only have like one maybe two primary lead sources that they're working, that they have strategies on, and they're, they're very susceptible. I guess the challenge is they're incredibly susceptible to any type of a change, any type of a shift in the market. And so, you know, those of you that are in our ecosystem know this, and for those of you that don't, I'm going to share something with you. We believe that you need to have at least five, count them, one, two, three, four, five, Five key lead generation sources that have predictable strategies inside of them that uh, you know you could actually outline and say, here's exactly what I'm doing to produce results and produce success and get my return on investment. And so as you're preparing for 2016, finishing off you know like this push for the end of 2015, here's what I want you to think about. How many sources do you have? Is it enough to support your goal? And if not, what do you need to add? And today, Real success viewers, it's all about a lead source that a lot of people know of, have used before, have not been successful with. Um, and the person that I'm going to be able to introduce you here today, I'm, I'm super freaking pumped, man. I have been, this is no kidding, I've been looking forward to interviewing this dude uh, since we started Real Success. And so a couple months ago, we got in communication and he said yes. And we had him at our summit, he spoke at summit. Um, he is the number uh, one Wall Street Journal, according to the Wall Street Journal rankings, agent in all of San Diego County. He has been acknowledged by Zillow and by Trulia as one of America's best agents, which, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, last year, sold two, he and his team sold 248 homes. Yes, right? Putting him at top of the list, right? And in addition to that, not only does he have a huge, hairy, audacious goal for this year of 365, but he's pacing above it. And uh, just all around, fun guy, loves pigs, right? And uh, great music and good beer, man. And uh, my good friend and someone that I'm excited to share the next 30, 40 minutes with you, Mr. Kyle Whistle. What's up, stud? Cheers, my friend. <laughs> cheers, cheers, brother, man. So how you doing, brother? Good. I am fantastic. The rain is gone here in San Diego. It's a beautiful day out and love and life. <laughs> Good. As always, man. Always with that great smile. Dude, so you've got like a really interesting history in terms of real estate. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's, you know, it warrants a couple of minutes just to sort of, you know, talk about how you got in the business, you know, real quickly and, and got to this point of, 
you know, 372 homes. That's what I believe you guys are pacing. So you know, take a minute, and if you would, just share with our viewers, you know, how you got into this whole game of real estate, man. For sure. The quick Cliff Notes version of it is I grew up, my dad doing real estate from the day I was born. Uh, growing up, I disliked my dad strongly because he was that typical realtor that worked 80 hours a week. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was young, so every time it was his turn to come pick me up or my weekend to be with him, he'd either have to cancel, he'd be late, and it was always because of real estate meetings that he had set up. So I always kind of despised real estate growing up, and I never wanted to be like my dad. Uh, but when I was in college, I went to UCSD here in San Diego, 19 years old, my dad kept pushing me, you need to buy something, you need to buy something. And at that time, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. So I got a loan, I bought a place. In three months, I turned around and made a $17,000 profit on that first property. When you're in college, I think I was 20 when I sold the property, make 17 grand in three months not selling drugs, you're pretty stoked. Um, so <laughs> I called dad at that point and just said, all right, I know I said I'd never work in real estate, but let's talk about this. I think at the time I was scooping popcorn at like the AMC movie theater or something. So 17 grand in three months, I had to start working in real estate. Uh, so the first five or six years I worked with my dad more in the commercial side of things. We did a lot of selling apartment buildings to condo converters. They'd buy the apartments, gut them, restore them, convert them to condos, sell them and make a stupid amount of money. We were the guys selling them the apartment buildings and that was all well until uh, around 2006, 2007 that really died off here in San Diego. The city came in, no more condo conversions, we're running out of apartments for people to rent. And I started looking around and I saw that, you know, my investors could go buy apartments for 250 a door or they could go buy some of these short sales and foreclosures for 250 for a house. And a lot of my investors started looking saying, well, why don't I go buy those? I don't want to buy these apartments anymore. And that was when I branched out from my dad in 2008, uh, started, you know, going after short sale, going after REO. Uh, first year in the business did 24 deals, uh, always had an assistant from day one. Second year in the business did 48, then went to 82, and then we really started to explode once we started building the team and really figured culture out. We exploded up over 200 deals, and we've been consistently over 200. This year, as of today, we're on track to do 372 deals and just around 175 million. Brilliant, man. Bang. Bang. So you got the bug. I mean, 17 grand, you know. Uh, almost overnight for, for someone who's 18, 19 years old, and oh, yeah. all of a sudden it's been upward, upward trend since then. Um, you, you've got a team, obviously, and uh, in terms of the structure of the team, how many people? Like, how many uh, people well, admin? About 20 how people many? now, so 15 agents and five admin. Of the admins, I have an operations manager. She basically runs the front desk. She does make sure everything in the office is functioning properly and does a lot of the accounting for the office. Uh, I have a closing coordinator. She's... Um, doing all of our TC on all of our files, and not just what a normal TC does, but she's also coordinating with escrow, coordinating with title, the lender, the other agent, doing all of that. Uh, I have one in-house ISA, and then we're looking at bringing in a company, uh, a third-party company to help out with some of those leads, um, because one ISA is not enough. We need more than that. And we need coverage 24 hours a day. I mean, buyers right now and sellers, when they want information, they want it now. It doesn't matter if it's 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. They want responses on things, so we really want to try to cater to that. So we're going to kind of use a mix of in-house ISA and um, outsourced ISA, but in America, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the overseas ISAs. The accents are just too strong, and the lack of local market knowledge just doesn't work um, for me, so I'm not a fan of that. 
Um, other people on the team, I have a marketing and media manager, which is really cool. So he handles pretty much all the marketing that comes out from us and all the media. So he's doing all of our photo shoots, all of our video shoots, doing all of that stuff, which is awesome. Does a lot of our social media. And then I have my own assistant. His three main jobs are answer my phone, answer my email, and drive me. Because once I hired this guy, he's saving me. I'm getting about two extra hours of productivity a day because every second that I'm in a car, I'm able to be working, which is awesome. So I'm able to get home at a reasonable hour now, and when I get home, I'm actually present, and I'm not checking my phone 24-7 when I'm there, which is awesome. Brilliant. I know that you're excited about this whole driver component, so like, I'm like, what's up, Gordon Gecko? right? I, I know you may be too young to remember that, but that, good for you, man. That's, it. That's, it. That's squeezing the time that you have. Instead, you know, you're sitting in traffic. You might as well actually have have you know feasible use of that time, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't think enough people so, analyze how much their time is worth. I mean, most people in this business, if you're hitting on all cylinders, you're making at least a hundred an hour. If you're really crushing it and you're banging phones, you're making five hundred to a thousand dollars an hour. So if I can pay somebody one hundred and twenty bucks to drive me around all day and I get two hours of productivity, spending one hundred and twenty dollars a day to have somebody drive me and I'm getting a thousand plus dollars of productivity in return, it's a no brainer. How's that eight times ROI, basically? Mm. You know? I mean, that's the, any marketing that you do is great that gives you eight times ROI. Hey, by the way, they, a lot of people may not know this. Um, you are like a like, not like farmer with a pitchfork, but farmer with, you know, like uh, with uh, Geographic Farm. I don't want to, today's call is not about that, but tell them your, your capture rate inside your farm, because I was just blown away when you told me this. What is the capture rate inside your farm for business? So I have 18 of the last 21 listings in my farm, and of those three listings that I didn't get, I got the buy side on two of them. Wow. So so what is that, 80-something percent? It's pretty damn high. Pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe what we'll do, Kyle, is we'll circle back around in about three or four months and do one on farming on what you guys are doing. But right now, I really want to focus on one component, man, that is just such a, it's, it's like a touchy subject for agents. And that's this whole component of open houses, you know? There's certain people that go, oh, they're a waste of time. There's certain trainers out there that spit on them, that, that tell people not to do it. But, but you have this incredible system for open houses. And I'm just sort of curious. We're going we're gonna to de delve into this today. Why do you think so many people, so many agents, have a negative like uh, association to open houses? Um, in all honesty, I mean, you mentioned farming. These open houses are the core of our farming, and it's the number one thing that's led us to take over our farm. Um, what I've seen is most agents, they despise open houses, and most of the times because they're just doing them wrong. You know, they're not planning the open house early enough. They're just kind of winging it. They're showing up on a Saturday, you know, 30 minutes before the start of the open house, fully dressed up in a suit, and they don't want to sweat, so they maybe throw three or four signs up, they haven't done any kind of pre-marketing to generate some buzz and some interest in the open house. They show up, only two or three people come by, they're probably the old lady next door and you know the other neighbor, and they go back and they say, that open house was stupid, all I got was this stupid old lady and the neighbor, there's no buyers that came by. And I'm like, you idiot. One, the old lady is the one who knows everything about the entire neighborhood. I love when the little old lady comes by because she tells me everything. She knows everybody in the neighborhood, she knows how long they've been there, how many kids they have, are they thinking about moving. She's kind of like my little insider, which I love the little old lady, and she tells me the history of the neighborhood. 
you know, what's happened in the neighborhood, what's going on, gives me the inside scoop. So I love the little old lady. I just like old ladies. They're fun. Um, and then the neighbor, neighbors are future sellers. And I think people lose sight of that. They're so fixated on getting a buyer when they do an open house. When a neighbor walks in, they almost disregard them. And I think that's a huge mistake. The neighbors, I prefer in my open house that I get more neighbors than buyers. Obviously, I'm doing the open house to get interest and get people in there. But um, neighbors are great because one, those neighbors are your future sellers. And two, neighbors usually know people that want to live in the neighborhood. And I love Brilliant. that. Brilliant, man. So what I'm hearing you say, and I'm taking notes over here, is the agents hate them because they're doing them the wrong way. They're just simply they doing them the wrong way or they have the wrong mindset on it as well too. You know, I, I remember I'm buying a house in Newport Beach, Kyle, and I walk into the house uh, and as we walk into the house, there's someone that's sitting in the recliner chair and has the football game on. And I think, oh, this must be the owner. And he right. goes, go ahead and look through the house. And I'm like, okay. We walk through the house by ourselves and as I come back, he goes, do you want to know anything about the house? I'm like, well, are you the owner? He's like, no, I'm the agent. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. So they just do them the wrong way. So right. let's talk about doing it the right way. All right. Um, in relationship uh, to to your open houses, uh, what is the pre-marketing? How do you let's start there? What is the pre-marketing that you do to to generate that buzz and that interest into the uh, into the the uh, the neighbors or other individuals showing up? Absolutely. So it all starts with picking the right property. In a perfect world, you're doing this with every property that you have listed. But I know that a lot of people, as they're ramping up in the business, they're trying to break into a new farm, they might not have listings in their particular neighborhood that they want to go after. So they've got to go out and try to find a house to hold open. So picking the right properties, everything. What I found over the years that works good when you're picking a property is all the coaches will tell you you want a good location. You don't want something that's 10 turns off of the main road. And that definitely holds true. The further it is from one of the main arterial roads, the harder it is to get people there because you need more signs. And after four or five turns, people give up. So you want to get stuff that's not too far off the main road. That definitely helps out a lot. But the other thing I found where we get the most traffic at our open houses is the really unique properties. So the house with the infinity pool, the house with a custom wine cellar, the you know house that is just a totally unique style for the neighborhood. I mean, we had one recently that was a Cape Cod style house, which is rare in San Diego. All of our houses were built in the 50s and newer for the most part. There's some other neighborhoods that are a little older, but most everything in San Diego was built in the 50s or later. There was no Cape Cod houses built during those times. So when you get a unique house, we found that buyers, neighbors, everybody loves the, getting inside those unique houses. So picking the right property is where it all starts. Um, and then once somebody picks a property, what we found instead of just doing your traditional open house where you just show up, people come in, people leave, we've tried to make them fun. Um, all my life, what I've always done in my group of friends, I've always been the planner, always planning events, planning parties, everything like that. So instead of just doing the traditional open house, um, when I moved into the neighborhood I live in now, I had an idea. Let me not just do a regular open house, but let me turn this more into kind of a party. Let me make this into a big, uh, big ordeal. And I'll admit, I've got some of the ideas from watching Million Dollar Listing. I've learned how to negotiate better from watching those shows. Even though most of that stuff is completely fake, I've actually learned a lot from those shows. Um, so I decided, let's take a regular open house, but let's throw some booze in there. Let's have some fun. Just like anytime we go to the Tom Perry Summit, right? Five o'clock hits, you guys are sponsoring a bar, right? Because you yeah. know that if you get a drink or two in people, they're much more likely to talk, and they're going to totally. stay longer. If you don't have a one-hour open bar, 
They're just like at a wedding, you know, right? They do that one-hour bar so everybody can have a couple drinks, loosen up, get to know each other. It's the same principle applies in an open house. So the, uh, about two years ago when I moved to my farm, my first listing, I decided let's do a wine and cheese open house. And it just was a hit. We did it from 5 to 7 on a Friday night. And 7 o'clock rolls around, I had a dozen people still in the house. I'm looking at my watch like, uh-oh, we got to get people out of here. Look back, 7.15, still have a dozen people in the house. 7.30 rolls around, still have a dozen people. Nobody's going anywhere. And I tell everyone, like, guys, we got to go home. Like, the owner's coming back at 8 o'clock. We need to get out of here. And one <laughs> of the people raises their hand. They're like, hey, after party at my house. And I was just like, wow. I was like, we're on to something here. Like, my open house just had an after party. Like, how cool is that? So that was kind of the point where it just clicked, and we were like, we're on to something here. Brilliant, man. So, so you, most people can't get them to show up. You can't get them to leave. Exactly. Dude, that's, it's awesome. And they'll stay know, for an hour, two hours, you know, and just hang out. They'll talk to me. They'll talk to, you know, their neighbors. And we have buyers that come by even during that time, and they'll tell buyers how great the neighborhood is, and they kind of become advocates for you. Brilliant. You know what you're, you've done is you've created – I'm just listening to you. You create a community there you know what I mean like it's like you know like any good party you're talking about like at, at, the, at the summit you know our goal is you know to show gratitude and appreciation to you guys for actually being there but also to really create the ecosystem and the community and you've done that inside the farm and you're the core of it as well you know one of the cores because most communities don't have that rallying party where everybody wants to come to right so so obviously there's a buzz about it now that you guys have done it, but do you guys do some marketing in advance of it? Do you yeah, lead with so it? Picking the party's crucial. You've got to know your neighborhood. Um, you know, in the neighborhood that I live in, there's four breweries within one mile. So beer is a big thing in our neighborhood. So we've done wine and cheese, like I mentioned. We've also gotten some of the local breweries to sponsor our events. Usually they won't give you free beer, but they'll give it to you at wholesale. Um, and you always make sure you buy like way more than you need so you can keep a little extra for yourself. But, uh, you know, so we've done like beer and wings. That's worked really well. And if you're in the right neighborhood, you're not going to go to, you know, Corona Del Mar and do a beer and wings kind of thing where Tom lives. You know, you got to know your neighborhood. Um, so wine and cheese is always safe. We've done beer and wings. We're in San Diego. The border's 15 minutes south of us. So when we get stuff close to the border, we'll do like a taco and margarita party. I've thought about bringing like a sushi uh, hand roller to roll stuff right there on site. Maybe bring out like here there's an area called Little Italy in San Diego. Have like a wood fired pizza on site. Like do something cool that ties into that community. So planning out the right party is key. Um, once you pick the party, you've got to start getting some buzz going around it. Uh, what we started doing recently is actually mailing out invitations to the event. So we'll usually hit everybody in that subdivision, if not maybe the closest 250 homes, and we're mailing out high-quality invitations to the event. So just like what you might get for a friend's wedding, you know, we're going to, or, you know, somebody's graduation, we're sending something that quality out to invite people to come to the open house. And that's really been huge for us. We love that. Um, so in addition to mailing, uh, we're also door knocking. So we have two kinds of door knocking in our office. We refer to soft knocking and hard knocking. Soft knocking is when you just walk around the neighborhood. If somebody's out in their front yard, you know, they're sitting on the porch, they're in the garage, they're just out walking the dog. You strike up a conversation with those guys. Um, but the immediate homes, at least the immediate 10 or 20 homes, those you want to hard knock, you should walk up to the door, knock on the door, introduce yourself, and invite people to come over to the event. Um, next up, okay. circle dialing. You want me to take a break? Yeah, well, I, I got a question here that's just that's in it. my head. I'm, I'm thinking I'm, you know, I'm listening 
I'm if I'm you know uh, an agent that's listening going, crap, man, this has got to cost a lot of money, you know, oh, yeah. like I, that just it automatically came into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so do you offset? I mean, is there ability to do that, or I mean, you're wholesaling, etc. I'm just like I'm a new agent and thinking about like all of this, this this cost basis and obviously you make a lot of money I mean where you guys are in terms of your commissions what do you say to the person that's going holy cow of course it's easy for Kyle he's selling 200 you know or 372 homes you know I'm I'm trying to sell three or four and and now all of a sudden I'm looking at bringing a taco truck and all this how how, how did you do it on the first couple of ones man for sure to, so to I mean in this industry you have check equity and you have sweat equity so we're at a point now we've done this long enough we have a lot of check equity um, a lot of the stuff I do, I pay people to do that stuff now because we've done this long enough, built up, you know, capital, and that's where we're at. But when you're new, you know, you're the person who's banging the phones. You're the person who's knocking the doors. You're the person who's putting the signs up. You do all that stuff yourself. Um, you don't have the money to do all that stuff, and which is perfectly fine. We're just, you know, as you grow, as you get more capital, and you get to the point where you realize your time is worth five hundred, maybe a thousand dollars an hour, then you start outsourcing or delegating some of those tasks. But in the beginning, you do all this stuff yourself. And we didn't do everything that I'm going over on the very first one. You know, we slowly started adding more and more on. And we're just really trying to hit people. What we've learned in 2015 is you can't just do one thing. You can't just call. You can't just text. You can't just email. You can't just hard mail. You've got to do a little bit of everything because everybody responds to things differently. In my neighborhood, I have people who are buying anywhere from in their 20s up into their 80s. So what's going to work with that 20-year-old is maybe not going to work with that 80-year-old and vice versa. So we like to hit people with a multimedia approach every you know, which way possible. And eventually one of those is going to click with that particular buyer or seller. So you guys door knock. Awesome. Awesome, Kyle. So you guys door knock, hard knock, soft knock. Uh, gets the the nice invitations get mailed. Um, what what else is there? Anything else? Because obviously you're yeah. starting to lean in and talking about some social media, etc. You know, yeah, like hitting sorry. the 20 year old, the millennials. What what's the other components that? So uh, with that circle you guys do? dialing, uh, circle dialing's big. We use a company called Cole, C O L E, Cole Realty Resource. We get all of the cell phone numbers in from Cole, and then I have an ISA in my office. I load up a list. He uses a dialer called Mojo, M O J O. And he just rips and calls everybody within usually about a half mile radius. And he calls every single person. Hey, this is Khan with Whistle Realty. Want to give you a heads up. We're doing an open house around the corner from you at 123 Main Street. We're going to have wine and cheese. We'd love for you to come by. Oh, okay, great. You know, by the way, do you know anybody who's looking to make a move to the neighborhood? You know, and then they're just start striking up a conversation. And then if they say yes, oh, well, tell me about that person. If they say no, oh, well, how long have you lived in the neighborhood? What do you like about it? If you were to move, where would you go? When would you make that move? And then they just kind of roll with a conversation from there. Uh, but, you know, like I said, if you're newer and you don't have that uh, check equity yet, you're on sweat equity phase, you're the one making these dials. You know, for us, we've outsourced us. I have an ISA who makes those calls for us. Um, so we're circle dialing. Next up is just posting on social media. So there's a few different ways we do it. We love Facebook, and we love a website called Nextdoor, N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R, nextdoor.com. Nextdoor.com was built to connect neighbors because as we get more reliant on technology, we become less connected with our neighbors. So Nextdoor is a social network specifically to bring people within a neighborhood together. So people post classified ads on there, lost and found, what kind of events are coming up, so why not post your open house as an event on Nextdoor? Uh, so we get a lot of traction when we post our events there. 
Uh, and then we also have a Facebook group for our community. So if your community doesn't already have a Facebook group, start one. And then every time you do an open house, tell all the neighbors, hey, we started a Facebook group. I'd love to invite you. You know, What's the best email address? I'll send you a link to it. And then start getting everybody into these uh, social networks. And then you can post the event in there where all of your neighbors are on a regular basis. Um, and then you can also run promoted posts on Facebook. And it doesn't let us do it all the time, but a lot of times we can run a invitation ad and only send it to people within one mile of the subject property, which is really cool. So that way we're not sending it out to everybody. It's only going to people within a one, uh, one mile radius. Awesome, and that direct community. So, hey, I got a question on Nextdoor, because uh, I've heard it from you, I've heard it from Mylene Rivera as well too. Is there a lot of traction, a lot of traffic that's taking place on Nextdoor? Inside There's not as much as Facebook, but what we found is people are either on one or the other. Very few people are on both. There's a lot of people we know that don't want to be on Facebook. They try to avoid it like the plague, but we found most of those people that won't get on Facebook will get on Nextdoor. So for us, we want to be on both of those. It tends to be the older demographic, I think, that's more next door because they're avoiding Facebook. Um, you know, and I've pitched people on what we can do marketing-wise with Facebook, and I think, wow, that's kind of scary what people can do on Facebook. So it makes sense why some people aren't on there. I get it. Yeah. Um, but usually Absolutely. people are on one or the other, um, so you just want to make sure you're in both of those places. You know, it's what I'm, I'm hearing time and time again, and you said it, you said it a couple times today, is it isn't just one, one avenue. It's okay. I'm gonna hit them. I'm gonna hit them with a sweat equity. I'm gonna hit them with a door knock. I'm gonna hit them on social media. That the the consumer nowadays, you've in order to be able to hit that large demographic that's inside the the uh, inside your community, you've gotta be you gotta go broad, right? Yep. You can't just go one way. Um, okay, cool. Anything else? Uh, yeah. Signs, so yeah. And next up, making sure that you're on your MLS. Obviously, here in San Diego, if you put an open house on the MLS, it syndicates to most third-party websites like Realtor and Redfin. Uh, but the two sites that our MLS doesn't syndicate to, so this is going to vary based on each individual, um, is Zillow and Trulia. So we manually go into Zillow and Trulia and make sure our open houses are on there. Um, when we're prepping for the open house, we don't just print out like an MLS sheet. I don't know about you, but I can't even read an MLS sheet like half the time. Somebody's like, does this have central air? Uh, let, me, let me look here. Scanning all over. I don't even know where to find it. How many acres is uh, crap? I don't know. So we print out a booklet. We use a company called Cloud CMA, uh, C-L-O-U-D-C-M-A.com, and they print out really cool booklets. And that talks, you know, it puts the information on the property in a more um, digestible format for potential buyers to look at. And then we also put stuff in there about the home buying and the home selling process and some of the other homes in the area that are for sale so people can get a little bit more information. And it comes in a nice 11 by 17. It's folded, stapled, full color, glossy paper, super high quality. Um, and that's just something unique. People are going to remember that when they end up coming by the open house because they haven't seen that before. They're used to getting the one-page MLS printout that's hieroglyphics to most people. So when you give them something a little bit higher quality, it just you know you're stepping up your game and people see you in a more... Uh, positive light, and they think about you being that higher class agent when it comes to marketing homes. So that's something that you want to drive home, and you want to be memorable. Dude, everything you guys are doing is establishing a huge DOS, an enormous degree of separation from the 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 invitations to the calling to the you know to the cloud CMA to the booklet. I mean, and, and the the taco truck or the wine and cheese. Every, I mean, someone walks into that open house, they're gonna go, "Holy crap, man!" Who is this, right? right? And that has you guys automatically stand out. Okay, so day of open house. 
Right? Yes. How many people like like let's 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 hop there. Is it just it, one person there? Is it a couple of people on the team and a lender? Like what's the what's the setup? So we usually have on average three to four people involved the day of the open house. We have somebody who puts the signs out. The number one reason I think most agents don't do open houses is they don't want to put the signs out. I get it. It sucks. There's plenty of people you could pay to do it. Put an ad on Craigslist, post something on Facebook. Who's got a kid who wants to make some cash on the weekends? 50, 100 bucks, you should easily be able to find somebody to put the signs out. Because in reality, they're spending an hour putting them out, an hour taking them down, and two hours, if they can make 50 or 100 bucks, they're balling. Like, that's good beer money right there. Um, so it's not hard to find people to put your signs out for you. And we go crazy. On an average open house, we'll put at least 50 signs out. In my particular farm, because we've got it down to a science, we're putting 100 signs out at the open houses when I do them in my farm. So we go absolutely bonkers. That's when we do the public one. Um, so we normally do the neighbors on a Friday night, 5 to 7, public the next day from 1 to 4. So the public side will go 100 signs. When we do the neighbors only, the wine and cheese deal, uh, we only put them within the subdivision. So we, we won't want to draw people from outside the neighborhood. We really want to kind of keep it within the neighborhood. But we want it to be a reminder to people as they're driving home at 5 o'clock. They see the signs like, oh, yeah, Kyle's having a party. Let me go cruise over there and have a beer. Um, so we just so keep them within the subdivision. So it's two steps. You typically do like a neighbor's only open house on uh, an Friday. evening and then you have the, on a Friday and then you have the public one on a Saturday. Have you found yeah. that to be best? That's what we do when we're in daylight savings time like right now. But we've learned that once the time changes and it's dark at 5 o'clock, doing a 5 to 7 open house doesn't work. Um, so what we've done, once the time changes, we do it all on a Saturday. We do public from 1 to 3, neighbors from 3 to 5. So we always have food catered for the public open house. And when 3 o'clock rolls around, we just push the food to the back so the drunk people can eat it later. And then we bring out the beer or the wine and cheese or whatever um, and bring that at the forefront. And the neighbors just start strolling in at 3 o'clock. And you want it like what we found is trying to time it to where it ends at sunset is perfect. Um, so you don't want it to roll into the, the dark time. It's harder to get people there. So you want to have it roll right up until about when the sun sets, and that's been most effective for us. Do you guys have a capture system when they walk in, like uh, yeah. Open Home Pro or something along those yeah, lines? Yes, so we're huge on Open Home Pro. I typically partner with a lender. So my lender is my bouncer. They're the one working the door. Every single person who comes in has to sign in at the door. There's no point doing an open house if you're not going to capture the information from the people coming in. You're not spending the money on the mailers and on the, you know, the ISA and everything else you're doing. You're not spending that money just to throw a party. You're spending the money to get contact information, to get leads, and to build up your database. So uh, we usually have the lender work the door. If I know it's going to be a hot property where I'm going to have 100 people come through, then I'm going to have a second agent with me. I'll usually have one of the other agents in my office do it. And we just have an understanding that anybody who comes in, if it's a, a buyer, they're yours. If they're a neighbor, they're mine. Because um, I want to work my relationships wow. with the neighbors, and I want them to work did, the relationship with the buyers. Did you say 100? Did I hear that right? Yeah, like, we've had, had more than 100. I've had 150 in two hours one time. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Now, so so I, I want to walk people through this. So they walk in. The Your your lender says, bouncer, lender bouncer says, please sign in and puts it has it on an iPad, I would assume, yes. and hands yes. it to them. Do you have multiple iPads for something like that, or is there like a line waiting out the front door? We'll have a line, and that's a good thing. Anybody who's ever worked in the club industry, there's intentionally a line. You want there to be buzz. Like when people see there's a line out the door, they want to know what it is, and it actually gets more buzz going around it. So. And it only takes like 30 seconds to actually sign in on the iPad. So it's not like you're getting a huge backup. 
and people are usually coming in a group of, you know, it's the husband and the wife and one of their kids or something. So 150 bodies in the door, but that usually is maybe 50 or 60 groups. Okay. And you know what, I, I've, you know, in many seminars that I've led and that Tom's led, we've always gotten that, that pushback of, well, you know, what if they don't want to sign in? I mean, it's, I mean, do you, does that ever occur? That's called a limiting belief. And I learned a really cool lesson. Uh, so next time you're at your office meeting, stand up and just ask everybody in the room, who in here is a good singer? And nine times out of ten, nobody raises their hand. The number one reason they don't raise their hand is they believe that if they raise their hand, you're going to make them sing right there on the spot. And that's just what's in their head. Even though you had no intention of doing that, people get it in their head that that's what's going to happen. People get it in their head at an open house that they're going to say no and somebody's going to get pissed off and leave. That's not the case. You've got to be you know, comfortable putting the iPad in front of them. And if you're not, that's why you have a lender. Let your lender do it. Um, you know, they just put, hey, owner is asked and anybody who comes through their home sign it. Well, I don't want to sign it. I don't want to give you your info. Hey, I get that, but you know, the owner hired us to do a job and they've asked that anybody who comes through their home sign in, I hope you can understand. And you just put it off on the owner instead of, you know, you coming across as the jerk, and it's all good. People sign in. I would say 95% of people who come through sign in. If somebody really makes us think about it, it's not like we're gonna like block them at the door, but um, we usually don't have any problem getting people to sign in. Dude, you and I remember the REO days. I mean, when you had uh, open houses for REOs, the bank required people to sign in. That was just it, just how it worked, man. Absolutely. So it's the same thing. And okay, don't awesome. do the paper signing. That crap does not work. People are not going to sign in. If they do, they're going to scribble some BS on there that you're not going to be able to read. And then you go back and you're like, shit, what does this say? I don't know. You get such more accurate information when you actually use Open Home Pro. You don't have to worry about legibility, and it's asking a couple other questions that people normally won't answer if it's on paper. Very, very cool. So, is it a hard like when they're when when you know you got 25, 30 people in there? Are, what's what's the dialogue you're having? You're you're working the room, you know. You're walking through. Is there some type of specified dialogue? Are you hard closing them? Are you like what are you doing? I'm all I'm doing is establishing relationships. So all I want to know is who are you? Where do you live? How did you hear about the open house? What do you like about the neighborhood? All of that kind of stuff. So you're not, in no way am I trying to sell anybody. People will bring those topics up typically. Every single open house I do, there's always at least one person in my neighborhood who pulls me and says, hey Kyle, can we talk outside? And I'm like, crap, did I say something wrong? They're going to beat my ass. But no, they pull me outside because they want to talk privately and just say, hey, you know, the wife and I have been thinking about making a move. You know, could we sit down and talk sometime? Almost every single neighbor-only open house I do, I have a neighbor who pulls me aside for that, um, which is awesome. So all I'm trying to do is just be memorable. I want to make sure everybody there has a good time. I want to make sure they all know that when they walk in the door, I'm the host of the party, so I greet every single person as they come in. Hey, how's it going? Can I grab you a drink? What do you want? A Merlot, a Chardonnay? Get them their first drink and then kind of let them go. And then I'm just bouncing around the room, just making as many connections as possible. I usually keep a little notebook in, in one of the drawers. As soon as I finish a conversation, go scribble a couple notes down real quick. You know, uh, Bill Pipes lives over on 123 Main Street, and they just got back from a trip from Hawaii. So that way, when I'm doing my follow-up later, I've got some level of connection. Maybe I can remember who Bill is. I would love if Open Home Pro would somehow, and I don't think it's legal, but if it could take a picture of people as they signed in, so you can actually remember uh, the faces, that would be cool, but I think there's some legality with that. But yeah. We thought about putting like a GoPro in the corner of the room or something. 
just put it just put it on your head, man, and just yeah. walk around with the GoPro on your head. All right. Shannon Ross, wear the Google cool. Glass. <laughs> wear the Google Glass, man. Shannon Ross all the way. Um, killer. So open open house is done. You got your notes. You got the open home pro. Yeah, everyone's logged in. What do I do now? So honestly, most of the time I'm either going to the after party or I'm going out to dinner with one of the neighbors. So my wife usually comes to the open houses and she'll just, you know, she's social, so she'll talk to people, strike up conversations, and she kind of helps me work the crowd too, which is really cool. Um, she actually got me a double-ended, a, like a move-up buyer, and they ended up buying that particular house. So it was a neighbor who just popped in, or I'm sorry, a, a regular person who popped into the neighbor-only open house. They ended up buying that one for 660 and then I sold their house for 750 and my wife buttered them up for me because I was busy talking to other people. And my wife brought them over. It's like, hey, this is Steve and Teresa. They really like the house. They're thinking about putting an offer in. It was awesome. So um, my wife works the room, too, and a lot of times it's over. And she's like, hey, we're going to go out to dinner with these guys, uh, which is really cool. And we'll go grab dinner and drinks with people. Um, but then as soon as we get back, Open Home Pro sends you a report of everybody who went to the open house. Um, so as soon as I get back, I upload that up into BombBomb, send everybody a video. And it's just a simple, hey, thanks so much for coming by the open house. Really, really appreciate it. If you know anybody who might be interested in checking the house out, would like a private showing, give me a call. Here's my cell number. Call me or text me anytime. That's it. Not like, hey, you want a free home evaluation or anything. You're not trying to sell them. Um, you really want to just show that you're doing your job for the seller trying to get that house sold because they'll remember that when it comes time for them to sell the house. They want somebody who's doing that for them. Um, so we're going to put every single person um, into BombBomb, send them a video email right away. Um, and then I'm also putting everybody into uh, viral marketing. I love the stuff that viral's doing. I record a video just like I'm sitting here in front of this webcam. Once a month, I go on for 10 minutes. I record two videos. I hit enter. If the videos go to viral, and I'm done. They put those videos up on YouTube. They put them on my website. They send them out to my entire database. And then they send me a really cool report back, tells me who opened it. Um, you know, did they actually play the video? Did they click any links? I give that list to the ISA, and he's all over it. Um, I'll big, also send big, big shout out to Frank. Big shout out to Frank. Frank is the man. Dude, that guy is crazy, yeah. brilliant. I love Frank. He's yeah. awesome. I go. He's they're here in San Diego, so Frank and I geek out like once a month. Um, those guys are right. And big shout, big big shout out to BombBomb, man. You know, like Bomb what awesome a, what too. a easy integrated for those of you that don't know bombbomb.com um, and it's just an integrated way to be able to send video uh, email video super simple very easy to use check it out so Definitely. sorry go ahead brother yeah and then the last thing we're doing with follow-up so if you haven't noticed I'm a systems guy I have a system for everything that we do um, I love send out cards so if you're not familiar with send out cards what you do there is you just go on and it's like typing an email and then it sends a handwritten card out to people um, and depending on what level you sign up with them, you can actually make it where they turn your handwriting into a font. So the cards look like they were authentically written by you. And those I'll write one off. So um, with the bomb bomb videos, I usually just send one video to everybody. But the cards, that's where I go back to my little notebook where I had the note, you know, about Bill that lives on 123 Main Street and just got back from Hawaii, and I'll, you know, make a reference to whatever that little note is that I got about that person in the handwritten card. Dude, I love that. Dude, the handwritten note component is such a lost art. You know what I mean? Like, no one sends notes anymore. Brilliant, right. brother. Cool. Okay. And those so cost, what's, like, what's a the, buck. 
would send out cards. I mean, it, it costs almost nothing. You go to like, there's a CVS across the street. The average card there is like five dollars now. You pay like a dollar, dollar fifty to send a card with send out cards, and that includes yeah. postage and everything. You don't have to think about it. Dude, degree of separation again. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it. And what I'm I'm really enjoying, and what I think is so powerful is come from contribution. Be it you know like like be a space of information you know be a, be an opportunity for information to people and the deals are going to show up you know instead of being this like I'm going to grind it I'm going to hardcore hardcore close them and that's not the world we're in today right you know it's service service contribution bang um, okay cool anything else anything so else we're at in terms now, of like in my neighborhood if one of my signs goes up on a house. I'm getting texts, I'm getting emails, hey Kyle, we saw you got a new one coming, when is the party? Which is awesome, like I've literally built my brand in my neighborhood around growing these parties, which has been really, really cool. Um, and then what we've done on the flip side is we throw parties when we sell somebody a house in the neighborhood too. So not only are we doing all of this when we have a listing, but when we represent a buyer and they move in, I already know everybody in the neighborhood. I got, there's 209 houses in my little neighborhood I live in, I could probably walk by 150 of them and tell you who lives there, how much they paid, everything. I know everybody in the neighborhood. So when somebody new moves in, we have a strong community feel. I throw a housewarming party for that person when they move in. So like almost every listing I sell, there's a party in the beginning and there's a party at the end of it too, which is cool. So we're just constantly throwing parties and it just connects people. Um, and people don't go to these parties alone. They always bring their husband, their wife, or they'll bring their neighbor. They'll be like, oh, Kyle's having a party. Let's go check it out. Um, and sometimes people will even come and they'll bring their friend. They'll say, hey, this is Chuck. You know, He's looking to move in the neighborhood and I wanted him to come check this house out. And that's the ultimate. Now you're building the relationship with the neighbor and they're bringing their friend who's a potential buyer. So now you're knocking out two birds with one stone. Brilliant, man. Absolutely freaking brilliant. I know we've gone over and I don't care, to, to be honest. <laughs> I grew it because there's so much great information inside of this. I mean, arguably one of the best one of these that we've, we've ever done. And uh, I mean, I've got all my three by five card notes right here, just frantically writing. Um, always as we end, I have three questions uh, that we end. And, and just number one, do you have a daily ritual for mindset? And if so, what is it? Uh, for me, my daily ritual starts out, and this was brought to my attention as some statistic, which most of these statistics are made up, but most people wake up every day and check their phone before they kiss their significant other, which is kind of sad if you think about that. So number one to me is wake up and give my wife a big fat kiss every morning and just tell her that I love her. So that's important to start out with that. Um, and then I like to exercise in the morning. I'm training for a triathlon right now. so. Um, every morning, it's either swimming, biking, running, or some combination thereof. So I love getting some exercise in uh, before anything gets going. Come back from my exercise, have breakfast, have a cup of coffee, hang out with my wife, my pigs, my dogs, um, hang out with them for a little bit. And then my driver picks me up at 8.30 every morning. So he comes to my house, picks me up, and on my way to the office from 8.30 to 9 every day, we role play in our office. Um, so we role play five every days day? a week. Every day, Every five day. days a week, twice yes. a day, twice Beautiful. a day. <laughs> so yeah. some of my Make team gets up early, and we do an 8.30 call. Some of my team gets up a little later, so we have a 10.30 call for them. Uh, so I role play on the way to the office every day with my team. Um, and then I get into the office at 9 o'clock, and then I get on the phones and start rolling. So that's kind of how my day starts out, and I get in the right mindset. Do you still prospect? I do. 
But more of my prospecting now is calling attorneys, it's calling CPAs, financial advisors, it's all referral partners because I come from the REO background and bouncing from one listing to another to another doesn't make as much sense to me as bouncing from this attorney so I can get four or five listings a year from him and this financial advisor so I can get four or five listings a year from him. So I'm always thinking of streams of listings. So more of my uh, prospecting is with those kinds of people now. Dude, you know, success leaves clues. And I remember Wendy Walker, Walker on her interview, she said, I now go to the attorneys because the attorney, can, I can get 10, 15, 16 deals off of one person versus one to one to one. Still not not ignoring the, the traditional business, but now building those other components as well too. What's the best book you've read in the last 12 months, Kyle? I'm a huge fan of Jab, 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 Right Hook from Gary Vaynerchuk. I love marketing and just talking about everything that we do with these open houses, we're just giving. If you notice that, you asked me a few times, when are you selling? When are you there a hard sale? There's not. It's jab, 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 and then eventually we come in with that direct mail piece or we come in with that phone call or we come in with that door knock later, and that's when we write hook and we actually try to get a sale out of it. But 90% of what we're doing is just jabbing on a regular basis. So I love Gary Vaynerchuk and Jab, 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 Right Hook is amazing. Yeah, if you're going to be in the space of marketing and you haven't read Gary V, like you're missing it. So that and I agree, probably one of his best books, Jab 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 Right Hook. Okay, good. Last piece, dude. You're a leader. Obviously, you got a, a sizable team. You've grown into that. Who is a leader that stands out for you really quick and why? Um, who's a leader that stands out? I love Elon Musk. I think that guy's phenomenal. And I love how he's thinking outside the box and how he has so many things going on at one time between SpaceX, between Tesla, between SolarCity, and all the other stuff that guy has going on. He's such a forward thinker, and I think he's one of those guys that we don't even realize his greatness right now. We won't realize it until he's probably dead before people realize how much that guy changed our world. So I love Elon Musk. And I love that he's not yeah. just sticking to one thing. He's doing so many amazing things simultaneously. I love that guy. Yeah, not only is he not thinking outside the box, there is no box for Musk. You no, know what I mean? Doesn't like, exist. There's, there, there's no box. Yeah, yeah, great book as well, too, that, that biography. Well, bro, hey, dude, honored to have you on this. Uh, and absolutely crushed it today. And just, you know, like who you are is contribution, Kyle, and I feel that. And it showed up today for this entire, entire interview, and I know every single person that's listening right now is grateful for you as much as I am for you being our guest and for sharing so you know openly what it is that you do. Um, so from all of the Real Success listeners, the Real Success Nation, dude, thank you, thank you, thank you. If they want to send referrals to you in San Diego, how do they do it? Referrals in San Diego, just add me on Facebook, Kyle Whistle, add me on there, and the best way to get a hold of me is on Facebook, so definitely shoot me a message on there. When you send me an ad, I want to find out what markets you cover as well, so I can add you to my referral network. We get a lot of out-of-area referrals, so shoot me a message on Facebook. I want to find out what area you cover, and then anything you have in San Diego, shoot me a message on Facebook as well. All right, brother man. Okay, dude. I appreciate you. Thank you again. Hey, cheer, cheers, cheers. My green tea, your beer, dude. Talk to you soon. I'll see you very, very soon, brother. Again, thanks so much. And for all of you guys listening right now, if uh, obviously if you have questions, 
uh, for us. If there's anything that you're looking that we can do to support you, please visit us at TomFerry.com for all types of free information. Uh, and please look forward to the next real success. I know this one was just an absolute freaking, not only a home run, is a grand slam. I'm going to be listening to it again. I know you guys will be too. Thanks again, Kyle. Thanks for all of you for listening. Have an absolutely fantastic 30 days. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.